Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 603. I'd like to start the show this morning by giving myself one of these. Ow! That was a dope slap, which I've earned for doing it again, for failing to provide the identity of last week's mystery bird in our contest in which no correct answer was received. The bird was the Caspian Tern. The Caspian Tern. Sorry about that. Maybe I should turn the other cheek. Ow! Well, there's lots of talk these days about building big walls and fences, and now the National Park Service has gotten into the act, but in a pretty non-controversial way, constructing the longest feral cat exclusion fence in the U.S. to protect threatened seabirds on Hawaii's Mauna Loa volcano. And you can get the whole story right now in this week's Talking Birds blog at TalkingBirds.com. By the way, on last week's show, we talked about the many, many millions of birds that are killed by cats every year in the U.S. with Dr. Peter Mara, co-author of a new book called Cat Wars, The Devastating Consequences of a Cuddly Killer. You can find that show, in case you missed it, number 602, also on our website, TalkingBirds.com, or look for it on iTunes. Hey, here comes the 117th annual Christmas bird count between December 14th and January 5th with tens of thousands of bird-loving volunteers joining in counts across the entire Western Hemisphere. Data collected helps ornithologists and conservation biologists figure out what action is required to protect birds and the places they inhabit. And if you've never tried a Christmas bird count, trust me, it really is a lot of fun. We'll have more about it in our Charlotte's Weblog segment coming along in just a minute. Meanwhile, here's a preview of our mystery bird contest so that you'll be ready to call in when we conduct the contest a little bit later in the show. So here's the sound of our mystery bird. And here's one clue. Our bird, which hunts from a perch at night for small birds, mammals, and insects, has a white face outlined in black with fine spots at the top of the head. Its light-colored underparts are streaked with brown, and its bill is yellow. Here it is, a little preview of today's Mystery Bird Contest. We'd like to say hello to Justin in Clive, Iowa. He's the latest Talking Birds listener to become a Talking Birds ambassador. Welcome aboard, Justin, and thanks for becoming an ambassador for our show. What's this ambassador thing all about? Well, we're inviting listeners to help spread the word about our radio program and about birds and conservation in turn by handing out some Talking Birds info cards to friends and associates. We're happy to report that we're now represented by ambassadors in the following states, Massachusetts, Maine, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, New York, Virginia, West Virginia, Florida, Alabama, Ohio, Illinois, Michigan, Minnesota, Iowa, Oklahoma, Oregon, and California. If you didn't hear your state listed, well, maybe you'd like to be the first on your block or, and indeed in your state, 
to become a Talking Birds ambassador. It's easy to do and easy to sign up for. Just go to our TalkingBirds.com website, click on the Contact button up at the top, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. Pretty simple to do, and we hope you'll do it. Once again, it's the Become an Ambassador option via the Contact button at TalkingBirds.com. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos on our Facebook page this week. You may have think you've seen some really silly walks in your time, but we have a Facebook post that may top them all. Check out the wacky Woodcock Waddle now appearing on our Talking Birds Facebook page. The year was 1978, and the weather in parts of the Netherlands and in the Baltics was so cold that thousands of birds took off and headed for the warmth of England. And folks there got quite a seabird show. We'll link you to the story and photos. Have you ever seen 1,000 Indian runner ducks walking to work? I didn't think so. It really is quite a remarkable sight to see, and see it you will if you visit our Talking Birds Facebook page. And we have a link there to our letter, the Talking Birds newsletter, that is. We call it The Trumpeter, and we invite you to check it out on our Facebook page and subscribe to it if you like. It's free. And if you're not a Facebooker, by the way, you can still find those stories through an online search except for the Talking Birds newsletter part, but you can send an email to ray at talkingbirds.com and we'll fix you right up with that. Now let's get to those details about the upcoming Christmas bird count along with some pretty cool info about a new bird identification app, all from our Charlotte Wasilek up in Alberta, Canada in her Charlotte's weblog. Alberta Bound. Charlotte. Good morning, Ray. A new version of the Merlin Bird ID app has just been released for Android and iOS devices, featuring 250 new species and real-time photo identification. Have you ever taken a picture of a bird but didn't know what it was? This app will help you identify it. The app is free and is a collaborative effort from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology and eBird. Christmas bird counts are right around the corner starting December 14th and running through January 5th. The Christmas bird count is North America's longest running citizen science project with counts held across the United States and Canada. There are also special Christmas bird count for kids for some winter family fun. Be sure to look up a Christmas bird count in your area since it's a great way to improve your birding ability and connect with local birders. Find a full map of all the North American count circles at the National Audubon Society website, audubon.org. That's all for this week, Ray. Wishing everyone a wonderful holiday season, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Charlotte. Talking Birds listeners, be sure to check out Charlotte's blog. You'll like it at prairiebirder.com. That's prairiebirder.com. Still to come on our show today, what are the birds at your feeders really up to? What kind of interactions between bird species are going on there? We'll find out when we welcome the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's Dr. Elliot Miller right here in just a few minutes. Also this morning, our man Mike O'Connor from Cape Cod's famous Bird Watchers General Store will offer us some excellent suggestions about gifts for the birders on your list. That's in our live Let's Ask Mike segment coming along in a little bit. Meanwhile, up next, we'll meet the Whistler. It's today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Talking Birds is made possible in part by Celestron, a leading optics company offering binoculars and spotting scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron is dedicated to education and bird conservation. 
and proudly supports many nonprofit organizations that share the same commitment. Celestron says, We care about birds and nature in our backyard as well as yours. Enhance your view with Celestron. Visit Celestron.com and discover more. To help introduce our featured feathered friend, here's Tina Turner. See reflections on the water. See him surface and never a shadow. On the wind I feel his breath. Golden eye, I found his weakness. Golden eye, you'll do what I Thank you, Tina Turner, and yes, the golden eye. In this case, the diving duck known as the common golden eye does have a weakness for crustaceans. It can't seem to get enough of those crabs and shrimp and barnacles, too, as it folds its wings tight to its body and kicks its way to the bottom of bays and lakes and rivers with those life-sustaining morsels. On its breeding grounds way up in northern Canada, the bird's diet consists mainly of aquatic insects. Meanwhile, the golden eye tries to avoid being eaten itself by hawks, owls, and eagles while on the water, and by bears, weasels, and minks on land. It tries to protect its nests and eggs from raccoons, red squirrels, and even woodpeckers like northern flickers. And then there are hunters to contend with. It's thought that the current rate of killing of these birds by hunting is similar to what it was in the 70s when some 188,000 common golden eyes were gunned down. Common golden eyes are chunky, big-headed ducks. Males have an iridescent dark green head with a round white cheek patch, a dark bill and a dark back. Females have a chocolate brown head with slaty gray coloring on the back, wings, and tail. Both have white chests and undersides and golden yellow eyes. The common golden eye is one of the last ducks to migrate south in the fall, and it will winter as far north as open water allows. Not surprisingly, thanks to the sound the bird's wings make in flight, it's often called the whistler. Its species' scientific name, Clangula, comes from a Greek word meaning scream. <laughs> Bucephala, Clangula, the common golden eye, is today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Talking Birds is sponsored in part by Chimani, providing free outdoor mobile app travel guides to plan and navigate your journey to more than 400 national parks, monuments, and historic sites. From Acadia to Zion, go to Chimani.com, that's C-H-I-M-A-N-I.com to download your free app today. Dr. Elliot Miller is a postdoctoral researcher at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology in Ithaca, New York, and one of the projects he's working on is one to which backyard birders can easily relate, the interactions between different species of birds at bird feeders. And he joins us now on the phone. Good morning, Elliot. Good morning. Great to have you with us, Elliot. You started this project, I believe, in 2015. What have you found out, and what do you hope to learn as you continue? Well, um, the project's being run in conjunction with uh, Feeder Watch, Project Feeder Watch. Mm -hmm. It's now a, a part of the uh, Project Feeder Watch. And so in that project, uh, people are telling us what 
birds are at their feeders, and this has been going on for about 30 years now. Uh, mm-hmm. And we we just sort of have added the ability now to to tabulate these interactions, so people can tell us not only which birds are at their feeders, but what they're doing. And so, you know, we're finding out information on aggression at bird feeders, uh, which birds are fighting with which other ones and who's winning those. And we're finding out that, uh, you know, across across the country, people are seeing pretty similar things and, and the same birds are dominant across the country. So these, these relationships are pretty consistent across the country and they, they sort of form a, uh, an almost linear pecking order that's, that's quite consistent. So this is uh, related to body mass of birds in part, but, and what else? Yeah, yeah. So body mass is the main predictor of who wins these interactions. And bill size is also relevant. And so you end up seeing these these patterns. The overall body mass is the, the explainer of this, but, but certain groups of birds, say woodpeckers, are a little more dominant than you might expect based on their body mass. And so woodpeckers seem to be able to get preferential access to bird food, Chickadees, on the other hand, not quite as much. It's a little bit of a surprise about uh, chickadees because we think of them as being pretty aggressive or at least pretty bold in coming to feeders, but not so in terms of interacting with other species. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So, you know, they're quite bold. They'll come in. Some people may even have them, you know, tame tame enough to feed off of their hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes to actually fighting with the other birds at the feeders, Chickadees tend to, to be quite subordinate. They're, they're really not as dominant as, uh, as some other things like woodpeckers. Hmm. Seems like a surprise. Are any other surprises or any surprises that you found in the study? Yeah. It, so far, we only have a little bit of information on some species, uh, say yellow, yellow-bellied sapsucker. Um, but we're finding that, that that species, for instance, is much more dominant than you might expect. And so it's really able to get preferential access. We find that things like starlings and house sparrows, which I'm sure is no surprise to anyone else uh, who feeds birds. But, <clears throat> excuse me, but these guys can really get get access to food almost whenever they want. They're really quite dominant at feeders, um, so that's also a, a thing. Hmm, interesting. Well, this is a little bit off topic, but we uh, we talked about this off the air, uh, Elliot. We got an email from uh, Randy down in Austin, Texas, who's curious about... Uh, the 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 fear or flight or response of birds. He says when he lived on a Puget Sound island in Washington, North Washington, the chickadees, titmice, and nuthatches would land right on his shoulders while he was filling the feeders. But here he says, north of Austin, now they flee the moment I'm out the door. He says, I think it's a rural versus city thing, but maybe not. Why are some species easier with human proximity than others? What's your take on that? Well, when you mentioned that to me, I thought, you know, the first thing was he may have just had birds in, in Puget Sound that, that his neighbor had, had been feeding for a while. I mean, that's certainly a possibility. Um, but it's also very possible that, that urban birds are, are more or less sensitive to, to feeding. I don't know enough about that, really. My first thought, really, is just that, that his birds, his personal birds up, that he was feeding in Puget Sound may have just gotten used to him or his neighbor or something mm-hmm. like that. Maybe he's got a really squeaky door there in Austin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the neighbor shoots at them with a BB gun. <laughs> well, uh, you mentioned Project Feeder Watch, Elliot, uh, and, and your project is, is part of that, and it's an important tool for tracking uh, bird population movements and distribution and abundance. 
How do you see the implementation of the information that you're collecting? Well, um, right now we've got two papers we're working on from the data that came in last year and is coming in this year. Uh, the, the main one we're working on is just trying to understand what the dominant hierarchy looks like among all these feeder birds across all of the continent. W once we have that, we can start using it to ask interesting questions about what might happen with climate change if, if certain species might be, in, be interacting that, that hadn't in the past and, and who might win those contests and how that might influence their access to resources. So we're sort of starting to think in that line now. Um, First, first step is just sort of starting to summarize the, the information, though. Mm -hmm. By the way, Project Feeder Watch is underway now. If I'm not mistaken, maybe you'd like to give a plug for that and yeah. how uh, we can become, we can all become scientists by taking yeah. part. Yeah, absolutely. Feeder Watch now is a, it's in its 30th year. We've got about 21,000 participants. And these are really dedicated uh, citizen scientists who've been telling us what they see and how many birds, uh, how many of each species they see at their feeders. It's been going on, like I said, for 30 years now. So this is a really important long-term data set that we're able to use to study how bird populations have changed over that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, if you want to join, there's, there's all sorts of cool stuff you'll get. Handbook with uh, tips for feeding birds, get some posters, some calendars, some nice... Uh, subscription materials as well if you want to join Project Feeder Watch. So you can, can look into that online. If you just Google Project Feeder Watch, it'll come right up. Project Feeder Watch. Dr. Elliot Miller is a postdoctoral researcher at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. One of his current projects aims to figure out what's really going on between various species out there at your bird feeders. Elliot, thanks for being with us. We'll look forward to hearing more about your research. Thank you so much. Up next, after an important message, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Well, we love birds and beans coffee around here. In fact, we think choosing birds and beans is kind of a no-brainer. It's great coffee, available in a variety of roasts, decaf too, and it helps keep the birds we love to see in the spring and summer alive and thriving down in their tropical wintering habitats. That's because it's shade-grown under the natural forest canopy that provides food and shelter for birds, no pesticides or fertilizers, and it's fair trade certified. Birds and Beans is the only coffee company on the planet whose every variety is shade-grown and receives that recognition from the Smithsonian Migratory Bird Center. And if you have folks on your gift list who love great coffee, well, don't miss out on this. Only until December 16th, you can get a dozen 12-ounce bags of Birds and Beans coffee for 25% off the regular price. Don't wait. Get it while you can and do something good for the birds we love. Find all the details at birdsandbeans.com. That's birdsandbeans.com. You're eligible to win on our Mystery Bird Contest if you haven't been a winner here on Talking Birds in the past six months. Our prize is the beautiful Droll Yankees OWFS Observer Window Feeder in Smoke Tint. This is a really popular feeder. It attaches right to your window so you get an unobstructed view of the birds uh, visiting over there. Here's our phone number. 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. We urge you to call as soon as you can, and we gave a preview clue earlier. Here's the rest of the clues. Well, first, the sound again of our mystery bird. It's a smallish predator of northern forests throughout Alaska and Canada and across northern Eurasia. In the lower 48 states, it's generally found in the western mountains and extreme northern Minnesota. 
Our bird, which hunts from a perch at night for small birds, mammals, and insects, has a whitish face outlined in black with fine spots at the top of the head. Its light-colored underparts are streaked with brown, and its bill is yellow. Female is much larger than the male. Tell us what it is or take a guess. No correct answer determines our winner in a, a drawing determines our winner if no correct answer is received. 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we got some great tips on gifts for birders on your list when we check in with Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike in just one minute. The holidays are coming, and so is the cold weather. You're busy, but don't forget about the birds. They need the best food they can get, and Audubon Park Wild Bird Food provides the nutrition birds need to survive and thrive. Make time to feed your backyard birds this month with every bird's favorite food from Audubon Park, a family-owned business that appreciates yours. And be sure to check them out on Facebook for great bird food giveaways. Audubon Park Wild Bird Food, proudly made in the USA. Hi, it's Ray with your invitation to join us in the Galapagos Islands with Sunrise Birding. I'll be your host, joined by expert local guides who'll show us giant Galapagos tortoises and marine iguanas and incredible birds, including Darwin's famous finches. We'll even snorkel with Galapagos penguins. And there are now just two cabins still available. Get all the details right now at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. And now to tell us about the new Popeil Brothers Pocket Bird Feeder and other great gifts for the holidays for the birder on your list. <laughs> Birders. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's Mike O'Connor. You remember Popeil Brothers. Oh, uh, Popeil Brothers, yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> that was before the Bassomatic, I think. <laughs> well, Birdomatic, oh my God, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, we got a few gifts we could talk about. Now, I, I, I want to preference, you can get these gifts anywhere, so I don't want to be a Birdwatch's general store infomercial going on here, but the stuff you can get them find in, just okay. about anywhere. Right. But I would, I would advise people to um, get most of this stuff at a local nature center or birding store. I find yeah. some of the, the bigger stores don't carry anything that, you know, I go into them and I kind of always check the merchandise. And it's usually kind of low-end and not very well-made, and yeah, you, you probably have a bad experience. So, you know, wherever you live, go to a local shop where you can talk to the people and they'll, they'll give you some guidance. But um, most of the stuff that people use uh, are looking for are kind of fun gifts, usually for beginners. Um, I would suggest if you've got children, maybe invest in a little window feeder, because if you put a feeder out in the backyard, the kids aren't going to be able to see it much. So mm. a little stick on with suction cups yeah. where the birds can come. That's our Think, prize today. Is, is there, you yeah, know, I, I haven't been able to hear feed. the show, so I don't know yeah. what's going on. It's <laughs> <laughs> a prize today. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> Yeah. So that, so uh, forget your Christmas list, just just win the prize, <laughs> right. and you're all set. Um, I think one of the most popular items we've had over the years, and we haven't been able to get them lately, and they're back out in the market, is your uh, your old friend Dodd Kruzman's book on uh, backyard bird songs. Oh, yeah. It's a book, but also has uh, audio, hmm. so you can yeah. punch up the bird. So when you want to look, say, I know your favorite bird, um, is is a common loom because that's all. That's what I got punched up right now, and you can just punch it, and, and it, there he is. You oh. can read about the loom and you can hear it at the same time. Yeah, it's which, a great book. It's which is great. yeah, it's a really, yeah. really, really good book. Speaking of really cool books, this is not a new book, but I, I think it's a kind of a fun little stocking stuffer for the holiday. It's kind of a, a Cape Cod, actually Orleans original. That quail, Robert. It's a small paperback, but it's a real story about a bob white that was orphaned and a family raised it right here on the Cape. Oh. 
and you can read it in the afternoon, you know, after you're done with presents and you're done dealing with the family, you can curl up in the corner. That's a fun little book, and it's still available after all these years. Is that a Johnny Fisk book? No, it isn't a Johnny Fisk book. The the author was, uh, uh, Johnny Fisk was another local author. This is Margaret Stanger. Okay. And and she the author and and she knew the people that had it and she actually cared for this bird. But the bird went on the Tonight Show. It's a really interesting story. Whoa. And it's it's, it's I, I avoided it for years because I thought it would be hokey, but yeah. it's, it's more charming and interesting. Wow! Give the it's, title again, would you? It's called That Quail Robert. That Quail Robert. Okay. Yeah, it was, they found an egg and they brought it in the house and the bird ended up hatching and they they raised it and it was. I know a lot of people that knew the bird still live in town, and it's a, it's kind of a local a lot of local flavor. For sure, mm-hmm. I know we got a um, bird puzzles. Um, mm-hmm. There's a company. Um, yeah, I, I see a lot of puzzles out there, and they're kind of kind of ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. dogs playing poker and all those kinds of things. <laughs> hey, that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> there's a company called Cobble Hill, and uh, mm-hmm. you know you can probably find them in stores or online someplace. But they make really nice, different bird puzzles, like great gray owls and snowy owls mm-hmm. and great blue herons, and mm-hmm. usually not the typical. You know, uh, boxes of candy puzzles that you yeah. see out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's if you, you know you got an aunt that likes puzzles, or if you know somebody who likes to dress crazy, there's a company in Vermont called Wheelhouse. We sell a lot of their socks um, up, up in Vermont. And if you can track them down, they make these really great bird socks with road runners or <laughs> uh, sandhill cranes and just different stuff besides songbirds. We sell an awful lot of those. So. If you've, if you've got somebody that's... Everybody, everybody has feet. So if you know... If, so you get them some fun socks, that would be good. Right. Everybody uh, has I got, feet. I got about 50 more things, Ray. Another another stroke of wisdom by you. Everybody has feet. All right. <laughs> no, well, 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 maybe next week we can talk about some more. Well, yeah. We'll, do, right. we'll pick it up next Christmas. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mike. All right. Talk to you later. Mike O'Connor down there in Cape Cod, the Bird Watchers General Store. We're back at the Mystery Bird Contest. Here's our Mystery Bird what is it? Smallish predator of northern forests throughout Alaska and Canada. Down in the lower 48, western mountains, extreme northern Minnesota for the most part. Mike is in West Roxbury, Massachusetts. Uh, good morning, Mike. Yes, good morning. Good morning. What do you think, Mike, on our mystery bird? The uh, barn owl. Barn owl. That is uh, a top quality guess, uh, Mike, but not exactly correct. Okay. Thanks for the call. Cool. Try us again. Thank you. How about our old friend Barbara in Hanover, Massachusetts? Can we go to Barbara? Are you there, Barbara? Yes, I am, Ray. It's good to hear you. I've been listening all these years. Well, it's great to hear from you, Barbara. I hope you're well. And what do you think of as our, uh, you know, our mystery bird here? Uh, and I can be more specific, but a, a hawk yeah. owl. A hawk owl, like a northern hawk owl. Yes. That's not what it is. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I led you on there. Sorry about that, Barbara. <laughs> A uh, top quality guest too from you, but thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Barbara. All right, not a not a, a barred owl. I think was the first guess, was it? And not a northern hawk owl. Charlie is in Duxbury, Massachusetts, right down the road from us here. Good morning, Charlie. Hey Ray, good morning to you and all your listeners, sir. Great to hear from you, Charlie. What do you think, mystery bird? Always a pleasure. I got a question for. I mean, I got an answer for you. I don't know <laughs> if it's the right pronunciation, but uh. Boreal owl. Boreal owl or boreal owl. You can pronounce it however you want, Charlie, because that is our mystery bird. All right. Nice job. Yeah, boreal owl. A small but fierce little owl from uh, way up north. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the description was perfect for that owl. Yep. All right. right. I'm I'm glad it worked out. (laughs) Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Charlie. Stay on the line there, and we'll make sure we get that uh, Droll Yankees feeder out to you. Thanks, Roy. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Merry Christmas, Charlie. Our Thank audience you. is really loud today. The Boreal Owl. That's another another cool owl of the northern woods. It can fi- it finds its prey by by sound, and they say it can locate mice even through vegetation and under snow. And it, it does that in part uh, because of the asymmetrical arrangement of its ear openings. These other owls have this too. One opening is higher on the skull than the other, so those different positions help the owl find exactly where the sound comes from, helping to gauge height as well as distance. That's pretty good. I keep thinking that we ought to be able to make some kind of an electronic approximation of that so that human beings could do the same thing that owls can do in terms of locating where birds are singing because birds do that ventriloquism thing and it's hard to tell where they are. But more on that later because we're out of time for our show today. Thanks for listening. Executive producer Mark Duffield, our associate producer and blogger Debbie Bleacher, our engineer Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.